Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be productive in our increasingly distracted world. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to sign up for the free seven-day productivity challenge. Just give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you simple, easily implementable strategies on how you can improve your productivity. Get on the seven-day productivity challenge by going to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Now, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but you are in for a treat today. My guest is Steve Dotto. He's the host of Dotto Tech. Now, if you want to know anything about how to use more productivity apps or social media, he's got you covered big on YouTube. He's got a new podcast we're going to talk about. You need to grab yourself a notebook and a pen because this episode is pure fire. Steve, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure. You know, I am so excited you're on the show because I have been following you for years and which I don't mean to make you seem like you're an old man, but <laughs> I have been following you for a year, years, years, plural. Got to make sure that's plural there. So you're an expert on a topic that's really near and dear to my heart, productivity, but you're also really big on Evernote, which we're going to talk about. It's a productivity app. You're also big on social media. So why don't you take about 20 or 30 seconds and tell my audience who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, well, uh, Steve Dotto, uh, for about 20 years, I had a TV show in Canada called Dotto Tech, which is a was a how-to computer show. It was syndicated nationally. And in 2011, uh, it was time to stop Tele broadcast television, just the world had changed. And, and I made a shift and uh, started to explore the whole online world and slowly built up a YouTube channel and discovered the entire world of uh, online marketing and content marketing and was fascinated by it and, and totally entranced by it for if you spend your career in traditional media, being moving into this new media space that we're in just is such an epiphany for marketers and for the sales side, because for years, my customer was the television networks or the ad agencies, they were the ones that I had to make happy because they're the ones that you had control over your airtime or the money. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden here you are on YouTube and the only people that are important are your audience. <laughs> and yes. nobody can, and it was a, it was a, it was a, as I say, it was a bit of an epiphany and I really enjoyed this, this kind of the voyage of discovery, building out the YouTube channel and learning about the whole world of content marketing. Now, you and I have been at the beginning of social media. We were there when there was no social media. So give us your opinion. <laughs> I, was just, I was just remembering. I just did a podcast on this exact topic talking about, do you remember you know, the, the, the bulletin board systems, the BBSs, yes. <laughs> logging in with the 2,400? Those were the first social networks for us, right? Yes, well, yeah. I remember that, you know, this, this really freaks out people who are of the younger generation that you couldn't bring a phone in the car. It was like on your wall, wired into the wall and people go, how did you live? I'm like, I think we did okay. I mean, you're still here, Steve. I'm still here. So it's amazing. These kids, got, they wonder. <laughs> I got to admit, I, I wonder myself, uh, what, 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 how did we find it before Google? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, looking it up in the phone book. Oh my God. Yeah. And remember when you used to have to call the pizza place on the phone? And, oh. and then hopefully the person wrote down your order right and they deliver it and, and it wasn't within 30 minutes. It was, yeah, it's a different lifetime, but you know, we did survive. It wasn't the apocalypse. Uh, we did survive. So there is that. <laughs> yes. 
So let's talk a little bit about, you know, productivity, especially in this day and age. We're living through the coronavirus outbreak in the world. You know, some people think it's the end of the world. It's it's not. Uh, people think we're going to need to start slaying zombies like The Walking Dead. We're not. But if you're working from home, which a lot of people are going home to work, a lot of people are having to homeschool their kids, a lot of people are laid off, and there's now quality time, I guess, with the kids. And, you know, they have this whole day. And, you know, maybe you're not working all day, but you definitely want to have some kind of plan for your day. So what are some of your suggestions about being productive, both professionally and personally, uh, during this uh, quarantine period we're all in? Well, that's a great question. It's it, um, and it's a challenge. You know, I I don't know about you, but I vacillate uh, back and forth between um, wanting to concentrate on world events and what our leaders are telling us and what we should be doing to be part of the solution and not part of the problem and focusing on that. And also this desire for normalcy, you know, kind of saying, well, I got to, you know, it's not healthy to be so focused on this and I need to spend time doing what I do. But, you know, as I sit down and try and record a a video on a productivity tool, I'm kind of going, it it seems a little trite right now and maybe a little disrespectful for what's happening in the world for me to be, you know, try and teach people about, you know, using tags in Evernote or something like that. So I, I, I bounce back and forth. And I think we just have to give ourselves grace to, to recognize that these are uncharted waters and uh, whatever we do is, is, you know, we're just going to have to make the best of it. And uh, we can't really beat ourselves up if we're, if we're, Mm -hmm. if we're a little bit confused, a little bit conflicted. Having said that, um, I've worked from home for a long time, and I, I guess it is, I guess, and as do you, uh, I, I guess for a lot of our colleagues, they just, it's, it, it's a really foreign territory for them to work at home. I can tell you that it, do not, they should not beat themselves up if they're finding it difficult to get things done, to stay on task, to stay focused uh, in the changed environment or, or in the home environment. Most of us who are successful in the home office world are here by ourselves for the day. We don't typically have a spouse or kids running around mm-hmm. uh, and in the home when we're trying to work because they're at school or they're at their work. So that adds an entirely unique layer. And, uh, and it, I think it makes it difficult. I don't know about you, but when my wife's home, I have way more trouble getting anything done mm-hmm. and she doesn't get in my way. It's just having her here. Do you experience that? Oh, I do. She works nine to six and she's still fortunately is one of the people who still has a job. Although she's full commission. She's a, a travel agent for a cruise industry, which is shut down. She's just processing cancellations, but her company has graciously given her a, a minimum salary for the next three months at least. Mm-hmm. But so my hours always reflect the hers. So she works Sunday through Thursday, nine to six. I work Sunday through Thursday, nine to six and Fridays and Saturdays are our weekend. And because I'm the same boat. When she's home, even though she doesn't mind me working, it's just like, you know, she's there watching TV or uh, hanging out with the dog or whatever. You know, I, I feel drawn. So that's why I purposely set my hours to match hers. Yeah, they're, that's good. That's smart. So here, here's, here's the bet. You, you did ask me for some advice. So I'll give you a few tactics um, if you are finding yourself at home and finding yourself to be productive. First thing is habits are powerful. So make sure that you follow. If it's not the exact same regimen as you did with when you were going into the office, um, something similar. So get up in the morning, have your coffee, you know, shower. Dress. You don't necessarily have to dress quite as well as for the office. There's nothing wrong with sweats and being comfortable, but get dressed and be fresh is what I'm saying. And then maybe, maybe give yourself a treat. Say, you know what? 
now it's, you know, it's, it's 745 in the morning. I normally get in the car and I get to the office at 850 or 830. So I've got 45 minutes. This is found time. Why don't I treat myself with that time? Because I, I, all I do is normally sit in the car. So read a book. Um, maybe you want to work out, in which case you're probably going to want to flip the schedule, the timing so that you can, so that you can have the shower afterwards, but give yourself a treat, go for a walk with a dog, enjoy, you know, spend some time with the kids doing something, give yourself a little bit of a treat, uh, but filling in, but being disciplined to time it to your commute. Then when you're, when you normally start work, close the door to your study your office, whatever, whatever room that you can kind of make into your work environment. And, and, and put your head down to work. Now, if it's hard to stay on task, if it's hard to focus, then perhaps, I mean, sure, I'm sure most of your listeners know how to do Pomodoros or know how to, you know, to, to, to have some sort of a productivity system in place that they can time tasks so that they can stay on focus for a period of time. Say, so, you know what, I, it's, it's hard to focus, but I'm going to start this Pomodoro timer. I'm going to run it for 30 minutes or 20 minutes, and I'm going to stay on focus for that and use an external mechanism to help to help you stay on task and on focus. And over time that will, those, those habits will ingrain, but get down and, you know, find, you know, create your own rituals that you go through that help you, that help your mind and body focus on concentrating and uh, shutting out external distractions. Don't take advantage of being home and say, Oh, I'm going to sit with my notebook in front of the TV and I'm going to have a 24 hour news channel on in the background because Mm -hmm. nobody cares anymore. Cause that's just going to be self-defeating. You know, make sure that you give yourself the best chance to be productive. Yeah, I like the word you said earlier, grace. You know, so if you are home and your spouse is home and your four kids are home because the schools are closed, you're probably not going to be as productive as you would normally be. And so give yourself grace. But I I would also encourage people to involve the whole family. Maybe you say, listen, for 30 minutes at 11 o'clock, we're going to read. Everyone's going to read. And so that way, the whole family's involved and the kids have their books, the spouse have their books. And I think that it's going to be more challenging. Obviously, the more people in your house, the more challenging it's going to be to be able to focus. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's And each of us is going to have to chart our own path as far as this goes. But but form those things into habits and be and be intentional as you do it. Don't just stumble into it and hope that you're going to get stuff done because you won't. I agree. And I, I've been saying in my podcast and on social media that this is the time that you really should focus on personal development or working yeah. on your business. So maybe you want to launch a podcast, launch a YouTube channel, or start writing a book or whatever, because eventually we're going to come out the other side of this. Okay. And if you look back and go, Oh crap, I should have worked on X, Y, and Z. Now the business starts taking off. Now you're like lost. So I would encourage people to use this time the best way you can instead of just like you say watching the news 24 7 which is utterly ridiculous all it's going to do is make you feel overwhelmed frustrated anxious and then you're not going to want to do anything anyways you know mark schaefer uh wrote a wonderful blog post on this exact with this exact piece of advice it's called the love letter to the coronavirus and he listed out 25 things that he's going to do to take advantage of this found time now, Marx makes a, a substantial part of his living by teaching uh, at, at a university and speaking engagement. So Mark literally has had everything shut down. So he's got all of this found time and he's not like a salaried employee that's still expected to, you know, sit in front of the computer and do his work uh, on his own. He's, he makes his own schedule. But it really illustrates exactly what you're saying, that this is a time that we can lean into developing and and spending time on some things that we might not have had time to or might really be struggling to have time to do, Uh, you know, uh, doing an outline for a book, 
uh, exactly what you're saying, starting your podcast, learning the skills, you know, maybe, you know, figure, you know, that online course that you bought six months ago that you've never actually gone through, (laughs) go through that course. I mean, my community, we've just done a B-School launch with Marie Forleo. Oh, I'm in B-School myself right now. Oh, yeah. Are you going through right now? Yes, sir. Yeah, good. So we, I have a, uh, I, I, we had a, uh, have a mastermind, a B school mastermind, uh, of baby boomers and Gen Xers who are all a little bit older and they're all going through it with me right now. As a matter of fact, as soon as I'm done with this podcast today, we have our next mastermind meeting on lesson three. So for these people, it's a blessing because they get to really hunker down and concentrate on the content in ways that no other cohort going through B school has ever gotten to do. So that, the, that, that, that personal productivity, that personal development and that planning, that, uh, you're absolutely right. When we come out on the other side, the, the people who lay, lay a good solid foundation now will benefit from that. You know, I'll tell you a little story. I'll share it with my listeners as well is I got burned by so many courses and so many conferences and so many gurus out there. And I take full responsibility for that. I never blame them because it's me that spent the money. And so when I kept hearing about B school, B school, B school, and I, my wife and I, play detective. We try to find bad stuff about this online. If it's out there, we couldn't find it. And I'm like, wow, you know, I couldn't afford it, couldn't afford not to. And I decided to make the plunge. And I'm telling you, even though my podcast has over 500 episodes, even though I've got a following on social media, I went in there with an open mind because the first thing you see when you get in the course is a welcome video from Marie. And she says, hey, keep an open mind. Even if you think you know it, you've heard this stuff before, keep an open mind. And because I went in there with an attitude, that mentality, I'm learning so much. I'm like, it's just little tweaks here and there. But sometimes you only need a little tweak, uh, a little tweak. Sometimes you don't need to move a Titanic. You just need to move a knob a little bit. And I think people are looking for the big ahas. Well, it could be a little aha that forever changes your life. And we, we, we are so close to our business that we don't see our business in perspective. And, and the way Marie lays out the kind of the, the six foundational pillars of an online business, it allows you to see the infrastructure of what an online business should look like and what the, what the mechanisms are that make it work. And against that, you can overlay your own experience and your own product. So I, I like it as a, as a baseline. It's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's your undergraduate degree in online business, but it's very comprehensive. And yes. I love that fact. Yeah. Yes. And, and for those of you who are interested, it only rolls out once a year. Registrations yeah. last two weeks in February. So you lost out now, but go to Marie Bor- B- Mor- Marie. FolioBschool.com, or I forget what the exact URL is. Better yet, go to dottotech.com and look at ours. That way you can get into our list for next year. Oh, there you go. But then you get alerted. You get alerted. So it doesn't matter where you go, but yeah. go sign up for B-School if you really want to take your business to the next level. Now, of course, I have to ask you is you absolutely love Evernote. Now, I yeah. told you before we started recording, I used to be an Evernote fan, but then I think it was iOS 9 or iOS 10, Apple decided to improve their notes because if you remember the old notes, it was really horrible. Now you can yes. do a lot more. You can have folders and all this other stuff. And so I made the transition from Evernote. Not that it's a bad product. I'm not saying I don't recommend it. I just went over there because I'm more of a native guy. So tell us why you love Evernote so much. Well, Evernote, for me, Evernote's your digital brain. In in this day and age, we have so many disparate pieces of information floating around that we lose a tremendous amount of productivity uh, looking for information that we already have, uh, looking for something that we've... So is this is this URL in an email or did I share it in a text message to my friend or did I store it as a bookmark? And you waste all of this time bouncing back and forth to look for different things. Evernote, to me is I actually don't like referring to it as a digital notebook, which everybody does. I mean, they never don't themselves do it. I don't refer to it to my students as a digital notebook. 
I tell them it's their digital bank account hmm. where you store all the valuable bits of information so that you can retrieve them later. That is the key to it. And just like your real bank account, the more that you invest in it, the more that the more deposits you make, the more equity you have in that account. And it's when you go to withdraw the information that you recognize the value. And the key to Evernote is not the file structure or anything else. The key to Evernote is search. The fact that you can go in and it's got such powerful search, including even searching within an image for, for words, being able to parse out words from an image, so that when you go in and you learn to master Evernote search, you don't have to worry about creating a, 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 a massive infrastructure in order to be able to find whatever it is you need. You just have to search. So understanding you know, that relationship between us and Evernote, I don't use it as a notebook per se. I don't typically take a lot of notes in it. I will move a lot of content into it, but I prefer to write in Google Docs or in a word processor than writing in Evernote, for example. But then I move that content into Evernote so that I can find it in the future because it's so much more efficient from that perspective. We've got a little course. I actually, uh, the, the most successful course that I've ever taught is one called Evernote Made Easy. And we've, I don't know, we've sold about five or 6,000 copies of it over the last few years. And I've really learned how people use Evernote as a result of that. And the course itself is modified a lot to the point that what I see Evernote, the big, when I teach Evernote now, I don't tell people about creating uh, an infrastructure and a tag system and all of those sorts of things that most people look at as far as the sophistication. Instead, I tell people to create two different types of notes, starter notes and anchor notes. Anchor notes are, um, sorry, starter notes are you go around your house and you take a picture of your water filter and your furnace filter and your inkjet cartridges in your, in your printer and all the replaceable parts of your house. And you add to those notes your wife's dress size and ring size and shoe size and favorite scent or your husband's, you know, pant length, inseam length, all of those sorts of things you just put in these starter notes. And then when you're at the hardware store and it's fall and you realize that your furnace is going to be kicking on within a few weeks and you say, geez, I haven't changed the filter since last year, but what size filters in my furnace? Do you uh, remember? Of course yeah. you don't remember. <laughs> Boom. You open up Evernote and there it is. Or you're uh, out at the liquor store and you say, wow, we had a great bottle of wine a couple of weeks ago with our friends. Can you remember that bottle of wine? No, but you took a picture of the label. Gotcha. That's where Evernote, that's where the value of Evernote comes in because you can search for all of these things instantly, ubiquitously, because you've captured it on your phone. You might be on your computer. You might be back on your phone. You can access it where you are and when you are. So those are starter notes. Then anchor notes are catch-all documents where you just pour everything into it, where you have a, a single document in Evernote that has all of your thoughts, all of the little notes and all of the little ideas that you have and the, the ideas. I want to invite Steve Dotto on my podcast. So you just throw that in the note because you're not worried about where it is. And then you go through these and, you, and, and these are documents that are living documents that are almost like your desktop as you work your way through things. If you just use Evernote for those two things, you will be more productive. And the key is, that when something valuable comes in to your life, a great bottle of wine, you don't struggle. Where am I going to store this so that I can buy this bottle of wine again? You don't think twice. You take a picture and you save it in Evernote. Hmm. So it sense. saves us time at the front end, archiving all of the information, gathering our knowledge, and then it delivers on that promise at the back end when you go to retrieve the information. That alone makes Evernote worthwhile. And a lot of people, they never bother taking buying my course because I teach all of this in something that we have called the Evernote Quick Start Guide, which I give away for free. And then they end up being thrilled and they end up being massive Evernote users just because they use it this way. The problem with all of these systems, 
in my mind, is we overcomplicate things, especially Evernote. Agreed. You see all of this potential and you think, oh gosh, I've got to create this great Michael Hyatt type archive uh, um, uh, um, uh, infrastructure where I've got, you know, these names and these tags so that I can search effectively on all these different things and everything is organized as it goes in. Uh, it's just a great big old shoebox as far as I'm concerned. With a, We have a magic wand called search that allows us to wave the wand over top of the shoebox and whatever I'm looking for surfaces magically. Now, as you're talking there, I started thinking about an episode I did about a week or two ago. Uh, it's called From Analog, From Digital to Analog to, uh, Productivity. And I have heard about the bullet journal for years. And I decided, yeah. you know, I'm going to try this thing out. I have fallen in love with analog productivity. So I went out and bought one of these three and a half by three and a half inch by five and a half inch um, uh, moleskin notebooks. I got that idea from Cal Newport's digital minimalism because this can go in my pocket wherever I go anywhere. I don't want to carry a notebook that I have to carry someplace. And I actually love this because I'm doing the same thing you're saying with Evernote, although the search isn't the feature, obviously, for an analog notebook is not there. But I, I love the fact it can go with me everywhere and I'm not sucked into my phone. So what are your thoughts about having an analog journal as opposed to something like Evernote? Do you think there's a place for both in the world? No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Here's what I think. I, and I don't, I, I, I get the people that like to write it down and I, and it's a kinder, gentler time. And I love that connection to your information, the physical process of writing something out with a pen on paper. There's a more intimate connection with that information than we ever get from our digital, digital tools. So I totally respect that. But consider this, take a look at a product called the rocket book. And think about doing your bullet journal in a rocket book instead of in a moleskin. Now, it's not as nice, a, it's not as, as aesthetically pleasing, but the rocket book is an erasable notebook where you can just, where you write information down and then you erase it. And the rocket book has an app for your smartphone, which is attached, which allows you to take a picture of every page and then it archives it and you can send it to Evernote. You could send it wherever you want at that point there. You could send it to Apple Notes if you want. You can send each of those notes, but they also have, it also has the ability for you to just, just similar to remember when the Moleskin had their, um, had their Evernote notebook and they had the stickers that you could put on that would direct it to whatever notebook you wanted. I don't, they but have, I'll believe you. <laughs> okay. Well, they have destinations. So when you take a picture with the app of your page, it will then send it to whatever destination you want. It can send it to email. It can send it to Evernote. It can send it to Apple Notes. And so then you've got the best of both worlds. You're, you've got the analog life of writing out everything down. But once you're through that book, that book's going to go up on the shelf, and it'll take you forever to find anything once you've done three or four of those books. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you use the erasable notebook, A, you're, you're losing, using less consumables. But every time you, every time, you know, in the evening, your routine then is to just take a picture of your days of your journals, uh, your day's journal, and then it's archived for you digitally. So you have all of the benefits of search and all of the benefits that we have online. You, that can, they can go into Evernote. It can go into, it can go into uh, OneNote. It can go into Apple Notes. You've got the best of both worlds. So think about taking it and marrying the two technologies. Okay. Well, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm a student of productivity and I'm always open to learning. The thing I like about the, the journal is the bullet journal. My moleskin is I have started, have you read digital minimalism by Cal Newport? Yes. Uh, excellent book. I'm actually, Wonderful. because I have a cellular Apple watch, sometimes my wife and I will go out. Well, not now we're quarantined, but you know, 
before the world ended. And I would just take my watch because you can't surf the internet, can't surf social media in your watch. And I'd keep my moleskin notebook for notes. And I would go out without my phone and people go, how did you do that? I'm like, I did it like up until like, I was like, what, 30 years old. That's what, that was life. And it's kind of freeing to go back and knowing you can't check TikTok or LinkedIn or YouTube or something like that. You actually engage in conversation. So I don't do it all yeah. the time, but going off outside without your phone is incredible free, incredibly freeing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, what the, the kind of the technique I was talking about does not, uh, does not fly in the face of that. You still just have, you can still just go with a notebook, but at the end of the day, you have a way of digitizing that information. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, that's the key to what I was talking about there. Okay. But yeah, being, being disconnected, it, you know, developing good habits. I mean, even for most of us, just leaving our phone in the office so that it's not beside our bed and it's not the first thing we see in the morning. It's not the last thing we see at night. Tremendous. I mean, tremendous personal benefit as a result of doing some, just some simple little things like that. Yeah. A lot of people, I hear productivity experts all the same say, don't keep the phone next to the bed. Well, I must be an outlier because when I go to bed, I put my phone on do not disturb. I put it on mute. I'm not tempted to look at it all night long. So maybe I'm kind of weird at that. I'm not, it doesn't, the Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't come on and say, Mark, check in, check in. I, I, I'm not tempted. I mean, I, I go to bed around nine o'clock and I just, don't look at the phone until seven o'clock the next morning. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it doesn't, it doesn't call to me. Well, and different personality types are drawn to it differently. So you're, you're lucky from that perspective as you aren't, you know, you aren't, you aren't drawn to it. Others are, others will check it and they'll wake up at night to go to the washroom. They'll check their phone and that'll be it. That'll be it. They won't go back to sleep. Yep. That's I, not helpful. I know to stay away from technology. Um, so I want to talk to you about Google, Google calendar. I love Google calendar. And I think, and I know you teach a lot about it. One of the things I, I, I really implore people to do is have multiple calendars in within can within uh, Google calendar. Cause what I do is like my podcast interviews are one color. My personal development time is one color. My speaking engagements are another color. And so I don't have to like, look at the calendar. I can just look at the colors and know what I've got coming up that day. And I know that's one of the things you probably teach and that didn't make any sense, Mark. I know probably, but I, I got a feeling that you probably agree to that because there's something really powerful about color coding a calendar. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a whole school of productivity, of course, you know, time blocking, which that's absolutely yes. essential for is it's kind of setting those colors and setting those standards and stuff like that. Um, I, I caution people about doing too, too many uh, calendars because you got to make sure that they all resolve in the same place. It's great when you're living your life on Google Calendar and that's the only place that you make and you're the only person that owns your calendar. Agreed. But where people run into some challenges there is when they're using a tool like Calendly, which I know you use, um, or Book Like a Boss or any of these other time uh, booking systems, is making sure that all of your calendars resolve so that if you are putting forward you know, blocks of time for people to access, that your proper... Um, you block you, your time's properly blocked off, and you don't end up being double booked because one of your calendars isn't being resolved. Uh, that's the that's the biggest confusion that I think people you know often have as they put their systems in place. But you know, being able to subscribe to your wife's calendar, your kids' sport calendar, be able to import you know all those different calendars that all uh, that all look different once they're on your page, so that you can quickly see exactly what's coming up is is great. And I I still love one of my favorite features is, you know, Google's mailing me a digest every morning of what my calendar is, even though I could open it up and look at it. I like seeing it in the email. Oh, that's pretty nice. Uh, yeah. One thing that I do is like, I have Calendly connected to Google calendar, but one thing 
if you ever use Calendly, the one thing you got to remember is you get to go and tell it what calendar to look at. And I recently added a calendar about two months ago, and I forgot to tell Calendly to look at that, so I had a double booking uh, by exactly. mistake. And it's my fault. I mean, I should have known better than that. Now, I agree with you. You know, I, only, I think I have five calendars, five different calendars. They're all pointed into Google Calendar. There's one point of contact. I don't have like three or four different calendars. Fortunately, my wife, you know, she didn't have an external calendar. My kids are growing and gone. So I'm kind of like, again, I'm an outlier. So I think you need to figure out how it works for you. But I really like how easy it is to use Google Calendar. As a matter of fact, I schedule everything for my on my iPhone. I use the Google Calendar app. And the only thing I don't like about it is once you create an event, you can't change the calendar in the app. I don't understand why they've got it set up. You have to go to online to do it. But I, I've i given up on all third-party apps. I wish they had a, an Apple Watch uh, um, app for the Google Calendar, but they don't. But um, I, yeah, I really love the way Google Calendar is laid out. They've been around for many, many years, and they've almost got it perfected. Yeah, and as long as you're as long as you're okay with Google knowing your whole calendar, you're we're all fine with it. Well, I'm not paranoid. <laughs> Some people are paranoid. Like people say, "Oh, you shouldn't be on TikTok." Because the the CEO of Reddit said, "Oh, it's owned by a Chinese company." Look at what are they going to do? Steal my productivity tips? I mean, I mean, I just I think some people you should be cautious. But I think some people get into the conspiracy theories and they're just freaked out yeah. over everyone. I'm like, you there, know what? It's there. It, I always look at it this way: is there's a there's a quid pro quo in that I know that Google is mining my information for their profit. They don't give me Google Calendar and give me all that functionality Mm -hmm. out of the goodness of their heart. There's value to them. And now I have to choose what my privacy is worth as far measured against convenience. And I like using the entire Google suite. And so I, but I recognize exactly what I is I'm giving up. If we go into it with our eyes wide open, it's a lot easier to digest. It's the people that, you know, that, that expect Google to be, uh, you know, that expect to have something for free with no cost attached. That's, that's just naive. Exactly. A hundred percent. Well, Steve, we could talk for hours about productivity, social media, anything, you know, I know you and I could talk for a while before we close the show. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about to the, on the show today that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, it's, my passion project, uh, my YouTube channel is primarily productivity and content creation. But what I'm really interested in from a personal and kind of a future perspective is a podcast that I have called Gray Matters with Steve Dotto that talks to baby boomers and Gen Xers who are looking at reinventing themselves and remaining relevant in the digital age. You know, you mentioned in our, when we were warming up today, you mentioned Gary Vanderchuk. And uh, most of my generation, I'm a baby boomer. I think I'm a few years ahead of you. They don't know who Gary Vanderchuk is. They wouldn't know who he jumped up and bit him in the rump. So, and, and if they did, if they did and know him, they probably wouldn't like him. Uh, yes, he but, has, so, he's very uh, Jersey potty mouth, really brass. So yeah, he's, he's not acquired taste. He's acquired taste. But having said that, my generation has grown up in cubicles and they look at social media as being the domain of millennials. And they don't realize that we have a place in that, in that infrastructure. And they don't, they don't know what a side hustle is. They don't, they don't really know what it is that kind of we do for a living and they don't know what options they have as they're being perhaps forced into retirement or now, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the employment world. So gray matters talks to baby boomers and gen Xers and it shows you them exactly what's happening in the online world, what the opportunities are. And then I teach them about things like social marketing and, and uh, you know, and I'm proof uh, positive that, you know, people with a gray beard and gray hair can make a good <laughs> living in the online space. So that's, uh, that's my passion project. So if you, if you'd be so kind as to share that link in the show notes, I would appreciate it ever so much. 
Absolutely. And I will tell you that I would probably have gray hair and a gray beard, but I shave every morning, my head <laughs> and my face. So I'm in denial here. So I'm, I'm bald as a cue ball on purpose. But you're a, but you're but you're COVID nineteen compliant at this point because <laughs> because facial hair is one of the problems. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and people say, why do you shave your head every day? I mean, because I you know I live in Houston and it gets a tad bit warm in the summertime. And I used to live up in Rochester, New York. I live down in Houston now. And I said, when it's hot outside, th- that's the only bad part about it is I had to carry a sweat rag with me because y'all got hair to soak up the sweat. When you're bald, it just goes like Niagara Falls over your eyes. That's the only <laughs> bad part. But I don't. Have to worry about fixing my hair but it does take me it takes me just as long to shave my head as it does with my wife to uh, wash your hair because obviously with a razor blade you can't just like willy-nilly you got to be paying attention what you're doing you do i I would imagine (laughs) well steve this has been so much fun i want to thank you so much for coming on the show today imparting your wisdom you gave us a lot to think about and i wish you great luck with your podcast and with everything you do so thank you so much my pleasure thanks for inviting me on And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com and sign up for the free seven-day productivity challenge. Thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And then if you would tell two or three of your friends about it, that would really help me out to help more people be more productive. Again, thank you so much for listening. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.